electrical grid failed, and anarchy ensued. Shopping districts in Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx were set afire and looted overnight. Television stations went dead, and the city exploded. By the time the power went back on, thousands of stores were destroyed, and almost 4,000 people had been arrested. The South Bronx came to be seen as a national disaster, the most notorious section of a city that had reached the brink of bankruptcy in 1976. Less than a week before the World Series began, the New York Times ran a front-page photograph showing President Jimmy Carter and several advisors touring a barren stretch of Charlotte Street, just east of Yankee Stadium. Carter and his aides looked as if they had stumbled upon a post-apocalyptic ghost town, a desolate landscape littered with piles of rubble, beer bottles, scattered newspapers, and dirt. A week later, when the fire broke out in the first inning of Game 2, Howard Cosell noted the irony. That's the very area where President Carter trod just a few days ago. In 1977, the South Bronx became the most visible example of the failed American city. The neighborhood would become the setting for novels and films, dramatizing the dystopia of post-industrial urban life, and the dominant feature of the new urban landscape was violence. Spike Lee captured the chaos of 1977 in his film Summer of Sam. The Warriors, which told the story of a street gang fighting to escape the Bronx and return to their home in Coney Island, became a cult favorite. Fort Apache the Bronx was released in 1981, starring Paul Newman as a cop struggling amid rioting and murder in the South Bronx. And in The Bonfire of the Vanities, Tom Wolfe depicted public spaces like Franz Siegel Park, just a couple of blocks south of Yankee Stadium, as places of lethal danger. Nobody from the district attorney's office went out into the park on a sunny day in May to have lunch. Not even a court officer who had a uniform and legally carried a 38 ever did such a thing. Politicians used the South Bronx to weave their own tales of urban despair, dysfunction, and danger. Presidential candidate Ronald Reagan returned to Charlotte Street three years after President Carter's visit and blamed the incumbent for failing to create any visible change in the Bronx. Jesse Jackson, a Democratic hopeful in 1984, called attention to the plight of the urban poor by spending a night in the forest houses, a public housing development very close to the block that burned in front of a national audience of baseball fans. The horror of the South Bronx was sensationalized and exploited, used as a prop by filmmakers and novelists and politicians to capture the nightmare of urban America. But the reality was equally terrifying. The descent started with abandonment, destitution, joblessness, and hopelessness that were symbolized by the 12,000 or so fires that were set in the South Bronx over the course of the 1970s. But over time, the epidemic of arson turned into a plague of violence. Crime had been rising steadily in New York and across the country, but the market for crack cocaine ushered in an era of unprecedented violence. The sociologist Randall Contreras, who grew up in the community in the late 1980s, recalls the drug dealers who ruled the streets. 
I could not miss them, he writes. They drove expensive cars, with shiny rims, with the sunroof open, or with the convertible top down, for all to see. Dealers filled in the abandoned spaces created by years of arson, and open lots and vacant buildings became the sites for a booming business that was regulated by force. Guns were drawn, people were shot, sidewalks were bloody, and children were hurt. Dead bodies surfaced everywhere. Violence ruled the streets. There was no more public space. At the start of the 1960s, fewer than 500 people were murdered annually in New York City. But by 1980, more than 1,800 homicides took place each year. A decade later, the level of violence worsened. More than 2,000 people were murdered in each of the first few years.